0: All right, today on Beers TV's top fails, it's fish. Half of our reef tanks are actually the fish and all little critters that live in there. And they all rely on us to actually have a really fast learning curve, which sadly a lot of us don't, and it isn't <laughs> good for our pets. But in this case, you can take decades of our failures and apply them to your own lessons so you can actually avoid those uh, failures and have a much more successful tank. So in our mistakes videos, we usually say that
1: most reefers have done like one of these or some of these, but in this case, we've done most of these or many of us have. So let's just be better for the future of
0: our hobby and future reefers by learning from our mistakes. So the first one, I'm just gonna say it like it is, there's a lot of people when they first enter the hobby, they just don't consider fish to be the same type of pet as their cat or dog and the responsibility that comes with that, Uh, but, they are not disposable. They are absolutely our pets. They like require us to take care of them. They expect and rely on us to think about their uh, benefit. And so it's really on us to make sure that we think about and take on this glass box with that kind of responsibility and making sure that these are our pets. We name them, we care for them. They'll be with us for decades in some cases. And uh, at least if we do it right, and we should really, really think about it that way. All right, so number two, The most important thing that you probably do in your whole setup of the (laughs) tank
1: is yeah, the mistake here is not making a fish list or a fish plan. Uh, this is something that I've personally done while I was deployed and I was getting my tank ready. Uh, I just went through the different types of fish, their interactions and you know, are they reef safe? Are they not reef safe? Are they, um, they grow too big for my system? Will they be too small? Do they work better in numbers? There's just so much planning here that you can put into place. Uh, have a fish plan before you get your tank going.
0: Yeah. So this super, super important. Like, and not only, you only have so many fish. So think about it yeah. beforehand, like which ones I'm going to do. You're also going to do a little bit of coordination then which ones will go in first. So make sure when you set up a new tank, have a plan. Don't just go willy nilly buying them from the store, just hoping for the best. Have a plan mm. of where you want to go and that will help you get there. Number three, especially for a reef
1: tank is Yeah, this is not considering utilitarian fish first. In this case, I mean, this is kind of something new to me, a concept to me in the last couple years, specifically because of the WWC-BRS hybrid series, in that, uh, you know, utilitarian fish are also a major part, if not the most major part to your cleanup crew, and you should plan for them to be in there first and then maybe get a couple decorative fish.
0: Yeah, so here's the thing. Get fish that like to eat uh, uh, algae, like uh, tanks. Get fish that like to eat parasitic copepods, like, uh, you know, wrasses, uh, like a chorus Mm rass. Get uh, fish that likes to eat uh, aptasia, like a file fish from the beginning. And a lot of these things you may like have in your tank, but you'll never even know it because the fish are eating them before they ever become a problem. Rasses like those also eat, nudibranchs and stuff. Mm. So things that, like problems in the tank that you may actually have, you'll never even know about. Number four for me is one I've actually failed on myself. Mm. Uh, I just don't think about this enough. Yeah, the fail here is not thinking about color and
1: the color that the fish provide to the tank. I mean, this is a living piece of art. And as much as I love those colorful, you know, vibrant corals and sticks, My fish are a part of that too, and there is a variety of colored fish, uh, the colors of fish that can really accent your tank, make it pop out.
0: Yeah, so there's lots of uh, corals, like, predominant color with coral it tends to be green, yeah. right? Uh, but like getting some of those yellows and reds and stuff, there are corals in that color, but like if we can get a whole school of like uh, antheas in there or school of uh, purple or yellow tanks and stuff, it adds color like and movement to the mm. tank. So think about how, you know, you're gonna add that like pop using fish to your reef tank because it will really come together and create an overall aesthetic appeal all right so number five probably one of the more important ones yeah the
1: mistake here is adding aggressive fish first so I've got this fish list I got a fish plan maybe the only available fish are you know right now is some aggressive ones some more aggressive ones and then I have plans to add more later down the road Uh, but actually you know when it turns out I add those other fish down the road It doesn't turn out very well because aggression and territory uh, means they just get super stressed out.
0: Yeah, they fight with each other. So like there's a lot of times where people like the tang police out there will tell you, you can only have one yellow tank in your tank. Mm. That's absolute nonsense. It's not true. Uh, But if you add a yellow tang now, let it get established for a year and go ahead and try to add another one, you're probably gonna have problems. <laughs> right, uh, so if I want to have you know two, three yellow tangs in my tank, I should add them all at once up front. And one of the things you can think about too is aggression isn't universal. So mm. like the yellow tangs actually will probably not ever go after my gobies or whatnot. Right. They go after each other. Yeah. So think about like aggression in terms of like actually one of the easiest ways to think of me, if you don't know about uh, the fish that much is think about their food source. Ah. So they're aggressive about territory and food source. So if there are fish that peck at uh, the the rock for algae all day, they're probably going to like be mad when the other ones go after their food source. (laughs) That's true. So that's one of the easiest ways, but really like, you know, ask your peers, you know, hopefully you have somebody at a fish store or even an online supplier that you really trust, ask them about your specific fish choices or your fish plan and what the best way to introduce them is because you can have like almost any array of fish if you introduce them in the correct manner. All right. So related to that is number six. Yeah, uh, this is not using an acclimation
1: box uh, to add new, especially the aggressive fish to your tank. So, I mean, boxes that you can sit inside the tank and get the other tank inhabitants used to the, that fish being around. Uh, they're probably, you're probably going to see a few, you know, come and check out the box, maybe even try to attack the box. But, you know, you do that over the, some, like, a week or a couple weeks or however long it takes and then their addition into the rest of the tank, they're more familiar with them.
0: Generally a little bigger than this one, but you can you know, find an acclimation box. I think eShop sells them. You can put them in the tank and they're a big area for the fish to swim around in. They get uh, used to each other. And it's just a way, way, way safer way to introduce a new fish to the tank. Uh, and uh, they can live in those, ta- in those boxes for a pretty considerable amount of time. All so right. it's way better that they have a smaller area and protected from the other fish than it is just letting them go. All right, so the number seven fail I see a lot with uh, reef tanks is... And this is not realizing the aggression
1: dispersion, in which case like six aggressive fish probably better than just two aggressive
0: fish. If you watched our clownfish uh, harem series, you'll have seen that for sure. Yeah. Uh, That, uh, you know, like three clownfish often don't do well, but 30 just fine, (laughs) you know? And so the big thing there is that the most dominant fish, you know, tends to go and uh, pick battles. But it can pick battles with uh, 28 or 29 other fish rather than just picking on the one, mm. and they can easily get lost in the mix. So often, rather than having uh, two tangs, you know, a little school of six tangs often does better. So there's a, a lot of uh, I mean, depending on the size of your tank, of yeah. course, but like there's a lot of things just think about, you know, that if you have one weak one, one strong one, it might uh, actually just work out that the dominant ones there, but it also might work out that it just ends up picking on it to death, you know, mm. literal death. In this yeah, case. True. So you really consider it. And again, talk to your fist store, talk to your online trusted place, but like make sure that you're considering when you're adding these things that sometimes more is actually better than less. All right, so number eight, you've actually heard me hint at this already a couple of times, but the real deal is. Yeah, the mistake is buying the cheapest fish
1: available instead of buying from somebody that you trust. Guilty of this one myself, when I was filling a 125 gallon tank, I just, I mean, I I wanna put as many fish as I I can in here. And for me, going and seeking out the cheapest fish was the fastest way to do that.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't mean you have to break the bank either. It's yeah. Just go find a fish store in your area with somebody that you trust, build a relationship with, they'll order the fish for you. These mm. are your pets. You don't need them. Like uh, you need a candy bar, right? <laughs> like you can wait a week or two. They'll get you healthy pets from somebody you trust. It will tell you if they look sick or they need help or whatever. And I'll just say in general, pets that are on sale, aren't necessarily the healthiest Mm. pets. Uh, And so, and you're also putting them in a box with your other pets. So uh, you're putting all those guys at risk. So uh, I would just say that, you know, regardless if it's an online shop or if it is a local fish store, you know, build a relationship with somebody that you trust and buy your pets from that person, not necessarily just because it's gonna save you 10 bucks. Okay, so number nine, this one's super important stop gambling on the tank, stop just rolling the dice. If you're flipping a quarter in this case, it isn't heads or tails. You're actually hoping for it to land on the edge. So what is it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so stop making the mistake of adding ick magnets to your tank without QT. I mean, we all have an idea of what the ick magnets are. These are the the fish with a, a thin slime coat or a thinner slime coat synonymous with powder blues, powder browns, Achilles tangs, and a variety of other different fish that are just susceptible to
0: stress and even more susceptible to ick. Yeah, so just stop doing it. Like, it's, it's gonna have a bad outcome. Or if you really want those fish, get them from somewhere that does proper quarantine Uh, and proper quarantine you can identify really quick because it's expensive yeah or do it yourself learn about quarantine and do it on all of your fish but there's just no reason to take these fish that are literally flipping the corner hoping to land on edge not just for that fish but all the other fish in the tank that Mm. are going to get sick too so really just stop doing those things and get fish that are known to do well in your system all right number 10. I actually hear people say this all the time, how many fish can I have? Yeah. And that's the wrong question. Yeah, the failure here is instead of considering the number of fish, think about
1: their territory and the territory of the different fish. Right, if you're gonna add a, you know, five or six fish that all like to hang out on the rocks and uh, you know, go in and out of the holes, uh, probably gonna have some aggression there. Uh, same thing with the algae eaters. Right? So if you have a whole bunch of fish that are fighting for the same you know, plot of algae uh, chewing or munching opportunity in the tank, Uh, you're probably gonna have a problem there. So think about their territory.
0: Yeah, so like if you wanna get a good mix of fish, like think of uh, some of them that are sand dwellers, some of them that perch on the rocks, some of them that eat algae off the rocks, some of them school open water, some of them that actually school but like to hang out inside the acros. Mm -hmm. And just think about where their habitat is. And actually you can get quite a few fish. If you're thinking about it more about habitat than your maximum number of fish per gallon. Okay, so number 11, is not understanding what reef safe with caution actually means. Yeah, so half of it's about just the type of fish, but the other half
1: is about whether or not the fish is hungry and what he's gonna go after when he is hungry. So, I mean, you hear about uh, people asking if, you know, coral beauties are, are or angelfish, if they're reef safe. And some say, well, oh, I've never seen mine picket corals. And then others say, no, they've completely eradicated some colonies and coral colonies in my tank. And really it probably comes down to uh, half of it being how much that
0: fish is getting fed. Yeah, so it is 50% like uh, DNA, right? Like it just happens, like uh, (laughs) you never know. You put the fish in there, it might grab your corals, it might not, right? Uh, The other half of it is absolutely like any organism on the planet, Mm. if you are starving it, it will go after foods that it likes less. (laughs) And eventually you'll just train it that that type of food is a legit option and they'll gain a taste for it. So if you wanna go after some of those reef safe with caution, you know, fish uh, that are generally okay, but sometimes not, make sure that you're feeding the tank adequately. And so actually go into that with that mindset that Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to help solve that specific problem by making sure that I have a proper nutrition program for this fish, not just I'm feeding enough and frequently enough, Mm -hmm. but also types of foods that it's gonna prefer over everything else. All right, number 12. I got a reef safe with caution fish, but it's eating all my corals or attacking other fish. I need to get it out. This is one of the coolest ways that you can actually try to get it out.
1: Yeah, the mistake here is not using the red light trick to catch a problem fish. So a lot of fish simply don't
0: see the red spectrum. Yeah. So while well, you can see what's going in the tank, they can't. So. You know, it works cool. for me. If you can get next to the tank, turn the reds on real quick, and then you can scoop in the net and catch them because they're just kind of flustered. They don't know what just <laughs> happened. Catch them totally off guard. And uh, they will get smart eventually that uh, you're chasing them if you do it this way. So you got to do it right the first mm. couple of times. But one of the things you can do is actually just turn them on red and then get like a like a little rod or something and see if they can see the rod. Instead of trying to like, they get spooked by the net pretty quickly. Mm. So just see if they're Spooked, and if they can see what's going on, then you know that this might be a good path for you. But you know, catching fish is one of the biggest problems, so this is might be just one of the easiest ways for you to do it. Your LED lights probably have that red channel, so try it out. So, number 13 is actually increasingly becoming a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, this is not considering long-term
1: dietary needs. So I mean, we make the analogy of, you know, eating something like McDonald's every single day, all day for multiple years, you're gonna live, but will you thrive and will you
0: survive? I mean, the same kind of goes for our fish, a varied diet. Yeah, so a varied diet, uh, it can be an inclusive diet. It doesn't mean you have to feed 15 different things a day. It can be uh, one thing that has a bunch of those things all together. Yeah. But it, in general, just thinking about the nutrition of the fish and this is the one piece I just wanna get like totally out of uh, everybody's head like fish just die it's one of those things yeah. I don't know I don't know why the antheas just die uh, well maybe it's because it's a super active fish is burning calories like constantly yeah. so we need to be adding calories constantly so if that fish makes your fish plan understand that you're going to be feeding it frequently. Like find a way to get an auto feeder, to feed it, you know, multiple times a day with a food that it likes, right? Mm. Uh, consider foods that are actually closer to their natural diet, instead of feeding them, you know, big old mice's shrimp that they kind of try to gobble down, you know, go to the Calanis, which is tiny little pods that are much more similar to the plankton that they type, that, that, that That fish eats so think about the fish think about their diet and you'll have you know not a fish that lives for a handful of years but one that thrives for you know possibly decades i've had fish that have lasted uh, i still have fish that have been in my first tank ever yeah 15 years ago so you know you can be successful much much longer if you think about the dietary needs of the fish and it isn't expensive just put a little bit of effort into it All right, number 14, kind of like feeding, but it's actually habitat. So another thing we
1: should think about? Yeah, the mistake here is to not think about flow needs of the fish. So uh, as you can tell by some fish who, especially in long tanks or who sit right in front of a powerhead and just swim like crazy, uh, the flow, the higher amount of flow is kind of what they prefer, better Mm -hmm. for them probably. uh, There's other fish that uh, are just so docile and delicate that if you try to put them in this turbulent reef tank, they get blown around or they only hang out in the small eddies where there is no flow and they really just don't get to use the space very much. So thinking about the type of fish and the flow that's going on in your tank is better for them.
0: Yeah, I think a good example that's like a copper band butterfly. It's Mm, already like a finicky fish. It's hard to eat whenever I feed it. And uh, you know what, like also float. I have not seen one do well in a high flow tank. Mm -mm. Uh, Maybe yours, it works out, but I have not seen it. And it's just a super docile fish. It does not like it and blown around. So it tends to go hide in one area of the tank and it just doesn't do well. It gets stressed out in that area. But in lower flow tanks is where I've seen some of them successful. Doesn't mean you will be successful with that hard fish, but like think about the flow needs of the fish and you'll probably be more successful. So nutrition, environment, flow, all those things. And you'll probably be way more successful when you're building out that fish list. So 15 is also real close to that considering? Yeah, this is uh, the
1: mistake of not considering the fish size and tank size. So uh, these fish will grow to their natural size that uh, they will in the wild. Um, So in which case, like, I might not put a big fish in a small tank, Uh, I shouldn't. And this is kind of where that term tank police probably came from. But, you know, think about how big your tank is, how long your tank is. Maybe it's tall, but not as long but so tank dimension and the type of fish that you're putting in there.
0: Yeah, like this is just a big deal. So most of them like will tell you some kind of range if you're going to buy online, fish Mm -hmm. store will tell you as well. So, you know, listen to them and understand that uh, like, I'm trying to build out this tank to be successful for a long time. And uh, there are certain size fish that will match your size tank. All right, number 15 is actually a fail too, though, and the absolute opposite of that. Yeah,
1: this is, uh, the feeling like this is gonna be your forever tank. So the, I need to only put fish in a 40 breeder that will fit for a 40 breeder for the rest of my career in the reefing hobby. So in which case, like, then I'm missing out on the opportunity to use utilitarian type of fish as they're small. And then, you know, what's inevitable? We're all probably gonna upgrade at some point after a year, two years of success, I'm gonna think about a bigger tank or a different size tank that I can now move that fish to where it's more conducive to like a longer tank and growing it out a long period of time.
0: I did not get married to my 40 gallon breeder, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, we just run some first dates. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so eventually I uh, will probably get a bigger tank. Mm. Uh, and so like, if you have a tank where it's maybe not perfect for a, a yellow tank or, or whatnot, like know that, you know what? If it is okay for the next two, three years, uh, absolutely, that is a viable option. Anybody who tells you that it isn't, I don't, I don't even know where that comes from, to yeah. be honest, because you can absolutely trade them out uh, with somebody else, you mm-hmm. know, get a bigger, smaller one. You will If you're successful with your 40 breeder for three years, the chances that you're gonna upgrade that tank are super duper high. So you don't have to treat it like it's your forever tank, but know that going into it, that I've made some choices, that I'll have to make some choices later, you know, two, three years from now, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to decide whether or not this is uh, my forever tank, in which case I may trade for some smaller fish and let these guys go to a more appropriate home. It's not like a shark where there's like no other tanks on the planet (laughs) in the neighborhood that's available plenty of their homes for a yellow tang, uh, or that I'm probably gonna upgrade, and this is a good reason to do that. My pets have been super successful. I've grown them from here to here, and it just makes uh, like sense to get a bigger yard. All right, so number 17, this is actually the easiest way to protect the healthier fish. <laughs> the mistake here is
1: not using a net top, and I can't think of uh, how many people are not guilty of this and have seen, or. Oh, fish jump out of their tank, come out the next day to a fish, you know, carpet surfing, but you know, we can easily solve that issue just by making a net top, putting it on top and then being, you know, uh, being wise enough to remember to put it on there every time cause it's that one time you don't put it back
0: that you come out to a fish laying on your floor. Yeah. In fact, for me, uh, actually we sell a lot of like tree net top for this reason, but where this actually came from is uh, uh, we would sit on our couch and then every once in a while I would see like the cow jump over the moon, like right <laughs> this Louboutii rass would jump right over across the TV in front of us. You just see them <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and eventually I had uh, egg crate on there, but it was really hard to manage and it blocked a lot of light. Yeah. And then I found uh, like uh, somebody's project on screen at top, did it myself, found out that there's actually a local place that builds or uh, that sells that uh, clear netting here oh, in yeah. Minneapolis. And that was one of the very first products that uh, bulk resupply actually offered but been the solution kind of ever since then to keep fish in our tanks rather than uh, jump in the moon (laughs) while you're watching TV. So uh, if you don't use this, expect to lose a fish at some point in time, they get spooked, they jump out, it happens all the time. Uh, So really use the screen at top and protect your pets. Okay, so number 18 is actually super important and I bet you most of you have actually done it because I have. Mm. Yeah, this is not matching the difficulty of the fish to your skill level or skill
1: set to take care of them uh and even to some degree your desire to take care of a difficult fish so maybe you have the skill level too but you don't want to so we just don't choose that fish uh or you have and this is specifically related to like uh dietary needs uh, most commonly where they have very particular feeding habits uh, that you need to be available to do daily and willing to do daily to take care of them and live them happy, thriving fish. Uh, And sometimes we just miss that.
0: Yeah, so at one point, I really, really wanted a husky dog, right? Yeah. Uh, But then I learned like how much uh, like effort needs to go into this specific pet that likes to run. Right, it's, it's born for that, yeah. and then it just shows that that's not the right pet for me because I don't have the yard that it was available for mm. it, and I don't have the willingness to take it to the dog park twice a day, right? You know, and because of that actually the breeder wouldn't even sell it to me, oh, which, yeah, which uh, bravo to her, yeah. right? And, and so, in this case, the same thing. So, uh, we you know, pretty much anybody's gonna sell you any fish you want, so you gotta be your own barrier in mm. this case, but like a copper band takes an ex- expert level uh, to try to get it to eat consistently. Yeah. You might just luck out, but that's not like a really good way to approach it, luck. right? Yeah. yeah, and so, and like for me, uh, most of you that have been watching for a while know that I really like the like four-wheeler signal gobies, the uh, sand sifters, mm. and they tend to die, right? They don't when I'm willing to feed uh, food into the sand right in front of them every single day but what I've learned is I'm not going to do that for the next 10 years. Right. I'm gonna do it for the next 10 months, right? <laughs> and so I'm just not going to select pets that, A, I don't know if there's a skill level in this case because I actually know what to do. Right. But now that I know what to do, I can also just say I'm unwilling to do it, right? Yeah. So, you know, match all those things and make sure that when it says advanced and all that stuff, really what it means is pain in the butt. All right, so number 19, of all the things that I think is smoking mirrors in the hobby, this is it. Yeah,
1: this is uh, not researching what quarantine really means prior to you getting the fish. So, I mean, you could probably go into some fish stores, you could probably go into, you definitely could go to some websites and see their quarantine procedure and have the owner or have the person that's conducting the quarantine explain to you step-by-step process of what's going on, and then trust that quarantine is getting done right in that situation, and then you can go to other places and it says, yeah, the fish are quarantined, or yeah, we have a quarantine system in the back. And really, that might just mean that we watch them
0: for a couple days and then throw them out on the shelves. I'm gonna say it like it is. This is garbage, total, <laughs> total garbage. Uh, so here's the thing is quarantine can mean like, uh, I've isolated the fish, I'm just gonna watch it mm. and uh, see if it gets sick. However, for that to work to some degree, even the most minimal degree of that yeah. to work, it had to be isolated and not with other fish. Cause the moment you add another fish, all of a sudden it is not quarantined. It's hanging out <laughs> with other things that are potentially sick. You just haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so the other things is like more proactively, you know, that I'm treating it for, you know, flukes, I'm mm-hmm. treating it for ick or for velvet or any of these things. And I'm treating it medicated. However, in this case, if you do that, you have to maintain your copper levels at a certain point, if it drops below that, and they have to sit in it for like two to three weeks, Mm. and it has to sit in there, if it drops below that for just an hour, you have to start all over again, right? And so here's the thing, is you can ask the people what quarantine really means, but like, you're gonna have to build some trust, right? The online ones that I've seen uh, is absolutely, if you go read the fine print, that says we visually assess the health. Yeah. Visually assess health is not anything in quarantine. And nobody would define that that, that way. So, you know, I don't say that to bash all of the people saying they're quarantined. I'm saying that for you to have proper expectations when you're looking at it, ask the questions. And maybe I'm wrong with the person that you're dealing with, which in that case, man, means you can earn some trust with that person. And that is your trusted resource for your pets at that point. Uh, and like, you, one of the ways you'll know is because they're more expensive. Oh yeah. You know, if I'm gonna feed that fish for a month before that I get it to you, I'm gonna cost have all the costs mm-hmm. of treating it mm-hmm. and getting rid of any of the parasites or diseases that it might have. It, it's not gonna cost the same as the one that just flew in and I sold it to you, No. right? And so I, I know that people kind of balk at Elliot at Marine Collectors who does proper quarantine, like a proactive one, mm. you know, like, well, I don't wanna pay 175 bucks for a yellow tank. I don't either, man, to be honest, nobody wants to pay that. (laughs) But if you do the math on it, like he's charging $3 a day for to go select, you know, the right pet for you, a healthy one from the bunch, you know, right at the point in which they enter the country. Then he's feeding it every day, then he's treating it, maintaining all of those medications and everything for you and shipping you a healthy eating pet that isn't gonna add any parasites or disease to your tank. I think that's worth three bucks a day. I'll just get fish slower than I would have normally. Uh, but what we can also do is just do it at home. Okay. You can learn how to quarantine properly at home, skip all that, get the fish a lot cheaper, just buy it from the place that openly states, I don't quarantine. <laughs> and, and in fact, in many cases, you, if you learn how to do this well, you can save the fish. You can go and find the fish that are visibly sick, yep. use your skill set, and bring them back to life in a way that other people probably would have killed it. I Meaning, you can be super, super proud of your skill set and what you're doing for the hobby. So, just understand what quarantine means, uh, do your research behind it, and just don't assume that because it says, uh, you know, quarantine on uh, it, that everything is good. Okay, so number 20, most of everyone that I've met actually hasn't picked one of these two paths. They've actually picked a uh, head in the sand. <laughs> Let's take our heads out of the sand and pick an intelligent path and do either one to the best of our ability. Yeah,
1: the mistake here is not choosing the path of ick management or ick eradication. Very two different things that you've heard us talk about a couple times, but uh, I mean, in this case, uh, I can either go through this entire process of ick eradication, which is the quarantine procedures, properly quarantine procedures, and just put all the effort up front, so that way down the road, I just it's just not something I have to worry about or I can put all the effort in throughout the course of the life of my tank and manage it, knowing that it's probably there, but I'm doing everything I can to keep it at bay.
0: So if you do the quarantine method, uh, like all the fish that are not available to you really are now available. Yeah. Like uh, all the, uh, the powder blues and powder browns and the Achilles tanks and whatnot that I've gotten from Elliot and Marine Collectors, all healthy. Fine. Because we've treated them and we've gotten rid of these things prior to getting them here, right? Uh, All the cases that we've tried, or not all, but most of the cases we've tried other than that, like really those types of fish don't do well and we should just avoid them, you know, based on one of our fails er earlier. So here is the thing. You are doing one of these three things. You are either doing proper quarantine upfront, proper meaning not only do I know what I need to do, but I did it right, Mm -hmm. or you're doing ick management or I just don't know it and I'm not doing either one of those. I got a head in this hand. Yeah. Right? And and so don't be the third one, yeah. do one of the other two and at least do it to your best of your ability. You don't have to do all the things, but you can do some of them. So in this case, if I'm gonna do ick management, and when I say ick, I'm really actually talking about disease management mm-hmm. because a lot of this stuff will flow over. Right. So one is think about nutrition, healthy, well-fed mm. organisms are better able to fight off disease. So think about their nutrition and do. Uh, this could probably cost you an extra three bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so just put a little extra effort into it. Most people like feeding the fish, so just put a little extra effort in there. And then also you can go ahead and think about a UV. UV -hmm. is not a required element, but what will happen is we'll remove all of the free swimming ick and stop them from attacking the fish. So they fall off the fish when they go to reproduce. Now when they do reproduce, we can actually sterilize them so that they don't just continue the cycle. We can reduce the total population Mm -hmm. of these parasites in the tank to something closer to the ocean than just letting them go wild. Yeah, it's a solid tool in our toolbox
1: in this ick Management. And also, you know, related to that is just general stability of the tank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a stressed out fish is likely, you know, more, likely higher chances of it, you know, getting the ick and then overcome by ick and things like that, especially those, you know, really sensitive ick ones. But if we maintain, you know, ste- stable temperature, stable water parameters, stability in, you know, lighting schedule, flow schedules, and I mean, we don't change this fish's environment, like completely upside down, and it has a better chance of keeping and warding off those types of things.
0: That's one of those things that a lot of people will say. It's like, oh, I've never had a problem, and then I had a power outage, and then it wiped out my whole tank. Yeah. So like, uh, you saw power outage, the tank got super cold, or you know less, less uh, oxygen in the tank, stressed out the fish, all of a sudden, their immune system was unable to produce the mucus coat that they needed to fend off uh, the ick that was already in the tank, and then it just explodes. Yep. Right? Uh, you know, one turns into two, two third thousand turns into God knows so bad. Yeah. So if there's one thing I'd like all of you to take away more than anything else. It's put as much effort into thinking about the types of fish that you're gonna put into the tank before it gets a single gallon of water as you do the pumps, the skimmer, the plumbing, the lighting. If you do that, you'll just be way, way, way more successful because you went into this with a working plan. So from the jump, we should probably get into this
1: eyes wide open and pick a path of whether you're going to go down that ick and disease eradication or ick and disease management. And if you want an idea of how to be successful on either one of those paths, Ryan and I have the live stream where we talk in depth about both of those paths and how to be successful. Adam, and you can check that out before you get your very
0: first fish right here.